Hello, everyone. This is Tijan Jenko. I am Master Certified Coach and Board Certified Health and Wellness Coach. Welcome to our podcast, Coaching with Mastery and Elegance with Tijan Jenko. And I have beautiful Marta Regalado with me. Hi, Marta. Welcome. Thank you so much, Tijan. It's such a pleasure to be here with you. It's wonderful always to be with you. What are we going to talk about today, Marta? So today we're going to talk about your new book, Jenko Method, Coaching with Precision. I love that idea. (laughs) So do I. Um, So I read your book twice and I am very excited to get into this conversation with you and to get us started. I would love to hear what motivated you to write Jenko Method, Coaching with Precision. Yeah, thank you. First of all, um, reading the book and hosting uh, today, co-hosting this discussion with me today. Um, What motivated me is my students like you. (laughs) That, um, as you know, that I have a unique background in engineering as well as um, mastery level, uh, service and process excellence. And I was those things before I became a coach. So I look at everything I do, what is more efficient way of doing this? What is a more effective way of doing anything that I do? So I've developed the methods uh, for my own progression and growth, as well as for my client's sake. So when I started become the mentor and coach educator, I started to share these methods with my students. And then they were asking me more information about those. And some of them, like you, taking additional trainings with me, they get to hear some part of those methods. But um, I've heard enough that they wanted to have more formalized all in one place. So that, uh, in a way, motivated me to start writing the series of this book. Yeah, and that was that was my impression. You know, having been your student for quite a few years now, the book felt like this wonderful synthesis of mm-hmm. everything that we've learned all in one place, which is great because you can go back and reference it whenever you need to. And it really felt like there's a system, you have a system, you've created a system. And as you talk about your engineering background and, you know, your, all your experience with a coach, I can really see how the two have come together in order to create this method. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. In a way that I was talking about the specifics within this methodology, right. In different trainings and this in a way that shows like a um, almost encyclopedia <laughs> of Jenko method, uh, this Jenko method, that and Jenko method, the other thing all at once in a one place. Yeah. 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 That's wonderful. Thank you. Um, so how is the Jenko method coaching with precision different from other methods or approaches? So 
I mentioned that my two of my backgrounds, right, being an engineer, I used to design robots and I look at things, how the things come together in a more effective way. And then through my mastery in Lean Six Sigma and change methodologies, I also looked at how the services and processes come together. Along with that, um, I have esoteric background. Uh, I'm a trained yoga meditation and Pilates teacher, and I have years of education in that. So the, my methodology then brings the science and art of coaching together and describes it as a process that creates a most efficient way to create awareness and change, facilitate change in someone's life if that's what they want. What I see as a mentor and a coach educator and assessor, right? I do assessment worldwide for Coach Federation and other organizations. So that exposes me into many of the coach educations around the world. And I see over and over and over again that the coach education emphasizes the evidence-based scientific part of the coaching, but they lack heavily on the art of coaching. Mm -hmm. So the coaches are learning scientific methods and they turn into an effective mechanical machines. <laughs> Mm -hmm. that um, also in a way creates a lot of biases in coaching because they are lacking the artistry. The coach needs to be scientist and an artist. Coach needs to be technician and an artist. That they become a good technicians, but not an artist. Mm. So, and as a person that who is trained and uh, who, who was a trainer of Lean Six Sigma methodology, I have a mastery level expertise creating, documenting the processes and flows. And it is easier to do it when things are mechanical. But how do you create a process flow for an art? And that also put me in a very unique position that when I was writing this book, I was thinking that's the best thing because of all my education, I can actually describe the art of coaching in a process-like manner so that the people can understand, appreciate, and express the artistry of coaching. I think those two things are the most unique aspect of that, that I bring the esoteric uh, methods to facilitate and enhance the artistry and then explain that in a way people can understand and replicate. What mm -hmm. are your thoughts as you well, read the book twice? <laughs> as I read it twice and as you're speaking right now, I would be curious to hear a little bit more about how a coach becomes an artist in mm. this sense. How could you briefly describe that for us? Yeah. So the listening is not a technical aspect of coaching. Listening is part of the artistry. And intuiting is part of the artistry presence, coaching presence. 
is part of the artistry. And being able to flow with the client, staying in the moment, responding to the moment, partnering up with the client, um, and creating, cultivating, change supportive environment energetically in a coaching conversations. Those are all part of the artistry. Mm -hmm. And as you speak of the artistry, and thank you for, for describing it, now I have a much better sense of, of what it is. You know, listening, you mentioned listening, and it's such a fundamental part of coaching. Could you tell us about the Jenko method, holistic listening? Yeah, the, there is a Jenko method, holistic listening and holistic inquiry <laughs> is part of this coaching with precision. The holistic listening gets in the way that, again, because most of the coaching educations I know that teaches and emphasizes evidence-based methods, and we are already biased in the Western world that we value analytical part of our mind more than the, um, the mind that comprehends and appreciates and all that. So then inquiries, when the coach listens, they listen through the analytical mind. Um, versus the Jenko method, holistic listening invites coach to stay present to their own intuition as well. They are part of the equation, listening their gut, listening their, what are they emoting when they are listening to client and appreciating? What are they understanding, comprehending? What's happening in the, to their heart? So it's all part of this. What visions are they getting? What are they hearing themselves as the client talks? This is all that coach is a, a receiver, comprehensive receiver in a session. So then the listening holistically that emphasizes coaches uh, being able to receive with their entire being so that they can inquire and support the client with their entire being when they are questioning or reflecting. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it sounds like this requires a lot of awareness of mm -hmm. self-awareness of presence and practice. Correct. Those are the artistry again. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So in the book, you describe three different types of coaching transactional, transformational, and transcendental, which is the Jenko method approach. Could you briefly describe each type of coaching and give us an example, you know, taking mm -hmm. an issue and how this issue would be treated differently depending on the type of coaching that's applied? Yeah. So in the Let's say that I often use this example with my students when I'm having them practice with me. Let's say that I come to coaching session and said, I have a messy desk, that's what I want to talk about. 
then the coaching in transactional methodology and approach will be immediately focused on how the coach will get me to fix and organize my desk. That will be their uh, focus and as it in the name, action, trans action. So they want to change my action towards whatever I am bringing. And um, so then the focus of that would be likely the coach will ask me, oh, okay, so what do you want to as an outcome? I will say a clean desk and all of a sudden we're deciding strategies about how am I going to clean my desk, right? And I often, again, say this to my students that how likely I don't know how to clean my desk. (laughs) I probably don't need another strategy plan or list. What really matters is something is resulting that. So therefore, often transactional coaching gets the clients to act in a different way without touching the problem. As I say, Jenko method, think, think beneath the thing that, uh, that is the core of the issue. Instead, we're creating band-aid strategies to alter my action to the problem that contains and continues to be there. And so that will be the most superficial level of coaching. It has its benefits, alters the action, and that's that. The transformational coaching, that some sort of a change occurs from one form to another. And often that they uh, focus on the behavioral aspects and some level of emotional aspects of this. So if I say to a transformational approach coach that I have a messy desk, I wanna talk about that. Then they may ask me, what is important to you about that? That may get me to think, oh yeah, I don't want to see a messy desk. And then they can talk about maybe what emotions are being produced when I see the messy desk. And it may alter my behavior when I see the messy desk. Maybe instead of, um, I will tell them I'm feeling upset and angry, then they can work with me to alter my emotions that, oh, okay, well, maybe I can organize my desk so that I don't feel upset or uh, angry or guilty anymore about the messy desk. So there is a little bit more excavating, but not fully getting into the issue because my model of my world is not understood in this level of inquiry. In the Jenko method, transcendental coaching, what we're looking for is to supporting clients with their choice to come to a new level of awareness and relating to life so that the new solutions automatically and organically occurs. Client no longer relates to the issue the same way because they they transcend into a new level of awakening, new level of relating to life. So in that case, when I say to the client, I wanna talk to you about my messy desk, they can ask me questions like, what is your relationship to 
seeing your desk messy. I can then say, well, when I look at my desk like that, it makes me think that I am falling behind my life. Now we understand that desk is a representative of something else. It's not necessarily I can fix the desk issue on the transactional thing, but it's still not going to affect that my internal understanding that I'm falling behind and uh, seeing the desk as an indicator of that. So in that case, then we will work around to understand what makes me think that when I look at my desk, I'm falling behind my life. And then once we understand that and resolve that conflict, inner conflict, my relationship to the desk, to the mess or whatever else in my life is not going to be the same anymore because I will come to a new level of relating to life. And that's the transcendental coaching. How clear was that? Yeah, that was very clear. Thank you. And as you say, you a shift in relating to life, it also sounds like there's a shift in the way you relate to yourself. Absolutely. Yeah. Self-expression changes. Self-expression changes. Yeah. yeah, because in that sense, I get into those uh, concepts more in my Jenko Method neurologic aspect to coaching. Um the core of human being, their values, the beliefs, and their uh, how they organize their memories to make meaning about life, all that will shift into new level of understanding. And therefore, a human being's relationship to anything around them and to themselves will be different after a session like that. Mm -hmm. So it sounds like these sessions are quite profound. I believe they are, and I often see that the clients are going through a large changes. I can see in their even complexion that their biology changes, but um, you've been to some of those sessions. What are your thoughts? <laughs> yes, I, I think, you know, and the word that was coming to mind was transformational. Although I know that is not your approach, it goes beyond that. But in a session, what I, the first thing I think of is your artistry. Hmm. I don't know what you're doing, how you're doing, but it's just so seamless and so beautiful. And I'm arriving in the space where I'm like, wow, I feel incredible. I don't even know how I got here. It's just done. It's like almost magical. It's very hard to describe. I think it's something that needs to be experienced. Mm, thank you. Yeah, often clients does use that word magical. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I can see why. Um, so thank you for that. I think that really clarifies, you know, the different types of coaching that you mention and their differences. So that was very helpful. Um, in the book, you know, you also talk about the importance of the coaching agreement, mm -hmm. particularly around defining the session agenda and the outcome. Could you elaborate for us, please? Yeah. So 
it is quite important for us to, it's a contract. Each session is a contract between the two parties. What is it that we are going to do together, right? If we don't understand that, we're doing something, but I don't know what exactly we are doing. And this is what I often see as an assessor, that when coaches are not establishing together with the client, what it is that they're going to work on together, this session goes a little bit here, a little bit there. I don't even know what I'm assessing because they may be demonstrating some of the evidence-based methodologies or the competencies, but relevant to what? Right. And I talk about this also in the book that if you, let's say, go to a lawyer and they ask without them asking you a lot that what it is that they you want to work with them and they can start working on your case. And this is maybe not what you want. Or I give an example about you're hiring a contractor, you bring somebody in home and your idea is to renovate your kitchen or bathroom. They start knocking down the walls and you're like, oh, that's not what I want. I meant for you just to paint the cabinets, <laughs> right? We need to understand. And in human being, this is also gets into boundaries. We don't want to go into the places like the contractor example. If the homeowner brought you to renovate the kitchen and you didn't ask, you're knocking down the walls in the bathroom, you're in an inappropriate place and violating the boundary right? We need to understand that it's just because it's in the softer side of the occupation. It's not any different, right? When it is concrete, like in a contractor example, we understand that we know the importance of it. But when we are in the softer part of the profession, we don't think it that way. So it's very important in each session, what it is that we are going to work together how are we understand we are on track with that? What exactly the person wants to get it outside uh, at the end of the session? And um, it's not important only to ex uh, define that in the beginning, but all throughout the session because the person is changing with every reflection and every question. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And as you say that, I'm thinking, you know, that need for clarity, mm -hmm. because we all have what you refer to as our mental models. Yes. So as a coach, we're coming in with our mental models where we can make assumptions Correct. about the client and what the client wants. Mm -hmm. So that clarification becomes so important to really understand yes. what the client is looking for and to honor that and to honor the, the boundaries that you were talking about and to keep, you know, a certain, like a level of focus in the session. Absolutely. Level of focus, level of professionalism and um, effectiveness, right? Because uh, what I see often that <clears throat> inexperienced coaches, they ask these questions right in the beginning, one after another, and they're going to always get then the answers of, oh, I need a list and strategy. 
as I explained earlier in my transactional coaching example, that because it's very early in the beginning, even though client is answering you, <clears throat> they don't know what exactly needs to be resolved. So this, this is important. Also, timing of establishing the contract is important. Mm-hmm. Because if you just, as soon as the conversation starts and you're like, okay, I'm going to do this, that, the other thing for you, then the clarity may not be there. So as a contractor, you need to ask, okay, where exactly you want the renovation? What is your desire for this renovation? What are you, are, what are you trying to accomplish? If I'm just painting the cabinets, it may not help you with the flow of your kitchen. So we need to have these conversations before we locking down the session contract as well. Yeah. And in order to kind of lock down the session contract, you know, you had mentioned the thing beneath the thing, the gentle method thing beneath the thing. Mm -hmm. I'm curious about its importance and how it relates to the coaching agreement and setting the agenda and the outcome. Yeah. So I just want to clarify for our listeners that we are interchangingly using the coaching agreement and agenda. It's the same thing. And um, so if you go back to my example about the messy desk, it will be likely then the coaching agenda about me cleaning my desk, some level of uh, action around that, that will not touch the thing beneath the thing. In transformational coaching, maybe that we're coming closer around some emotions that thing beneath the thing creates. And in the transcendental coaching, Jenko method, we are getting into my values, my belief systems about when I see the um, something messy that produces in my model of the world that, oh, I'm falling behind that also may be touching um, my visual qualities that maybe I like to see things beautiful and organized. So that is then some of those things are get to be thing beneath the thing. And if you see that, if we are establishing the agenda before understanding these things, it's gonna be very different coaching agreement, right? In the first one, I will have to be producing some functions to clean my desk. The second one, I may need to be changing my emotions about what bothers me. In the third one, I can alter my behavior, my value system or my associations about the messy desk and myself. So then the thing beneath the thing, then when we come closer to the core issue is going to help us to establish much more effective coaching agreement mm-hmm. for the session. Yeah. It's the root cause that we will be addressing it. Mm-hmm. And as you say, root cause, you know, I know you usually you use a metaphor to describe the thing beneath the thing of an iceberg. Is that yes. correct? Correct. Yes. Yeah. So I wanted to bring that up because many people are visual. So it helps to have, you know, something to think about 
you know, mm-hmm. when you're thinking about the thing beneath the thing. And I think that iceberg is a, it's a wonderful metaphor. Yes. Thank you for bringing that. So again, in the transactional coaching, the coach is fo- uh, focusing on the tip of the iceberg. Transformational coaching comes closer to the water and maybe they can notice some structures, underlying structures. There are structures there. But in the transcendental coaching of Jenko Method, you understand the underlying structures of the iceberg. Mm -hmm. And then your exploration takes place in that depth to resolve and explore and understand. Yeah. Almost as, you know, your foundation as a human being Mm -hmm. and what's at at your core. Yes. Yeah. That's beautiful. Beautiful. Thank you. Um, so in the Jenko method moment of first awakening, what are examples of deeper issues here? Because it sounds like this comes right after the thing beneath the thing. Yes. The, it's actually moment of first awakening is where the client recognizes and the coach recognizes the underlying structure of the iceberg. It becomes visible. There is a sense we don't understand the whole thing, but we understand what is it, that there's something going on underneath. So in in my case, the example will be once I say, oh, this makes me think that I'm falling behind my life. Now I understand it's not about the mess or the table. My first moment of first awakening becomes then, oh, I now understand when I look at the table, I'm thinking that I am falling behind my life. What is that about? That's the moment of first awakening. And that's when we get into, okay, if that's the case, what exactly we are going to work on this session? What are we walking towards? That's where we're going to get into thing beneath the thing. Yeah. And I'm curious, as you describe that, is there anything like what, how do you know as a coach that that's where you've arrived, where at that point, Mm. that moment of first awakening, how do you know? That's where the magic occurs. I think that you talked about and a lot of my clients does. That's why I talk about earlier complexion changes, because when and human being comes to an awareness. It's almost that new life, new life source arrives to them. There is this shift in the energy. Energy lifts the more uh, light that comes out of their eyes and something changes. That is often indication and we need to be listening holistically, observing holistically to be able to see it. There is often deeper silence. Some emotion will come out. There will be a shift in that moment that indicates. Yeah. And as you say that, I've experienced that moment as a client Mm -hmm. and also as a coach, where you're experiencing this this very deep insight. And it's, it's this incredible moment of 
realization and awakening to kind of what, what is, you know, after having kind of dug around. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Thank you for sharing that. And if you reflect one of those moments for you, how much of that you think that the structure of the iceberg becomes seeable or visible to the client at that moment? Um, I think, I mean, I'm not sure if the client is thinking in terms of the iceberg, mm-hmm. but there is, so I'm, I'm not exactly sure. Like if I'm experiencing it, I'm not thinking about the depth necessarily. It's something that's very felt. Right. But often that there is also some level of understanding that this isn't about what I expressed initially. Yes. That's absolutely. what I meant about the iceberg, right? The client said, ah, oh, no, that wasn't about what I just said in the beginning. That occurs often. What was yes. Your, yeah. Absolutely. And that realization, I think, brings a sense of freedom. Mm-hmm because there's a sense that there's a choice. You can now make a choice with yes. that realization and that awareness. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for that. Mm-hmm. Um, so I wanted to talk a little bit about the beginning of a session, because I found this very interesting in your book. And I know lots of coaches like to catch up or chit chat at the beginning of the session with their client. How are things? How are you? And what have you been up to? Whatever it might be. <laughs> And in the Genko method, harmonic resonance approach, you know, this, you advise against this. Mm -hmm. Could you explain? Yeah. In this book, I'm also intending to help coaches to do effective coaching in, in 30 minutes or lesser time. Right. What I see then this in the beginning, unnecessary chit chat. The idea is about establishing um, some level of connection isn't working because that exchange is often very superficial. It doesn't add value to the client. And then often whatever they share, coach does nothing with it. So why are you asking something that you're not gonna do anything? about it afterwards. It uh, results in loss of time. And also think about that you're paying somebody. I don't know, everybody's uh, obviously rates are different, but let's say that you're paying somebody $500 an hour and you go to a session with them, they're asking you, how are you? What did you do on a weekend? I mean, every minute matters. Right. Mm -hmm. So for me, I don't recommend that. If you want to establish a resonance with somebody, you can understand and establish that by matching their energy, matching their emotions, understanding their values. And one doesn't need to necessarily ask them about what they did on a weekend to get to there. The Jenko method harmonic resonance, we do that in each session and throughout the session. You need to establish that level of 
uh, trust with somebody mm -hmm. in each session. And we do it by listening. We do it by responding. We do it matching their appreciating whatever their emotional expression is. So that's how I recommend to build a rapport with the client. What do you think about that? Yes, I think that it sounds like you really create a deeper connection in that way of building trust and building rapport. And I am saying this as someone who is very guilty of starting her sessions with, you know, chit chat and catching up. And I need to be very careful. I need to make sure I keep it to one to two minutes. If not, I can go on. So it's definitely something I have been guilty of. So this is, it's a very, um, I think it's such an interesting approach to hear about and hear what, you know, this kind of this chit chat could be taking away from this deeper connection. Yes. And also because the client may be sharing with you their weekend frustrations, and now you're going to leave them there and go and know what do you want to talk about? It's there is no connection. And when at least in, in the most of the world cultures, when you ask somebody, how are you? They feel obligated to ask you. Now, all of a sudden you are in the center stage as a coach in your coaching conversation to, in my methodology, I would not advise coaches to be ever in the center stage that that's for the client. Yeah. So, so yeah. Yeah. Really keeping the spotlight on them mm -hmm. and keeping their focus as well. Exactly. Yeah. 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 Well, thank you for that. Mm -hmm. Um, I was wondering, could you walk us through the Genko method continuous measurement system. You talked a little bit about this, about the kind of the check-ins. Could you elaborate? Yeah. So the continuous measurement system is that when we establish the coaching agreement, we need to understand um, what the outcome is. And it is for that outcome, where exactly the client is in the beginning. What is the baseline? And once we understand that, then we need to check in with the client throughout the session to see how are we progressing towards the desired state. And those check-in points will help us in the session to make course corrections if, if the agenda is shifting um, if the agenda is shifting, we may need to adjust the uh, outcome and recontract the session. Often that in my experience, whenever client comes to an awareness, a new awareness in a session, the Jenko method moment of first awakening is just an initiating moment, but there will be much more awareness. And each awareness has the potential to bring the client even deeper than they wanted it or thought they could go in the beginning. And therefore, we need to check in that what is now the outcome 
And what is our measurement system working with how well our measurement system is working to establish and give us information about that outcome. That's the technician part of the session. It's like the contractor came now, took down the kitchen cabinets, checking in, is this tone gray good? Is the other tone gray good? <laughs> How are you gonna know this is it? Let me paint a little, put it up here so you can see in the internal light if this is what you want. And then, um, okay, well, well, that you said, and originally all the cabinets want to be gray, but I'm wondering now you have blue in your appliances. Would you like to add some blue here and so on? So those are the opportunities to continuously adjust the measurement system as well as the output. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And to me, as you were describing that, it feels like such a respectful mm -hmm. and nurturing and considerate approach, you know, as you talk about those check-ins and, you know, how is this for you right now? Mm -hmm. Is this working? Mm -hmm. um, I know, I know a question that you, you tend to ask often is what are you discovering about yourself? Yes. To really integrate the new awareness that you were talking about. Yes, I, I do that because uh, I also ask about what are you discovering about yourself or the agenda at hand or both, right? Mm -hmm. And um, to potentialize and maximize the shift that's occurring and the change in awareness that are occurring for the client, those moments that supports the client to integrate and digest. Mm -hmm. Because if, if we keep going and going and client is going to go through a lot and they may not recognize each state that they've been through, it can be a lot in a session, transcendental session like that. So it's helping the client to learn, integrate and adjust and take a breath. Mm, yeah. And that was my following question. You know, the importance of learning integration. Mm-hmm. And so it sounds like, you know, a lot can be happening in one session and they're almost, they almost feel like these little, like, um, these little breaks, like you said, it's like a break mm -hmm. where you can kind of take a breath, look back, see what's happened and then move forward. Yes, I can tell you that as a yoga and Pilates teacher as well, that I often take my clients through some movements when I teach the sessions, any uh, movement sessions, then I give them some time because every movement produces some level of exchange, the chemical reaction in the body. And then the body needs some time to recover, adjust to that change. It's the same here because when we are facilitating moving the client through the change, movement of the mind, movement of the emotions, movement of their being energies, they need some time to digest and integrate and adjust and then move on. So that is a, in a way supporting their digestion of the change. Yeah. And really being able to kind of recognize mm -hmm. what is going on instead of just kind of like 
flying by and, oh, I arrived. I have no idea, you know, what happened, <laughs> what happened. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so you mentioned a series. Yes. Will there be more books to come? Yeah, I intended to continue with the uh, coaching with precision ser- series and mm-hmm. in Jenko methodology. Um, I wanted to actually, I wanted to start the series with um, this part, the coaching agreement part, because it is the most crucial part of the coaching conversation as we've been talking about. The next in the series are gonna be around regenerative moments and learning integrations of the session, as well as how to acknowledge the client and all that. So the other parts of the coaching conversations um, will come forward in part of this series. Mm -hmm. as I have more time in my calendar to sit down and write. Wonderful. Well, I definitely look forward to see what is to come and, you know, the new books that are going to be part of this series. And I wanted to thank you for this conversation. I mean, it was wonderful. Like I loved reading your book and it's been wonderful to have this conversation and to hear you talk about your book and all the the metaphors that you brought and the examples and all the details you gave have been really, really helpful and illuminating and understanding your method. Oh, I really, truly appreciate Martha for having us discuss this today and reading my book and helping me um, to help it explain further to our audience. I appreciate having you here today. Thank you. And I'm wondering what is coming up um, in Jenko coaching? Um, I am actually taking a break offering the mentor sessions in July, but the August sessions are open for people for registration. Um, that is coming up and I don't have any other training on my calendar just yet. Mm-hmm. As I de- decide rest of my calendar, <laughs> there may be more trainings opening up, but um, right now there are, um, and our neurologic approach to coach training is going on. And so I have additional trainings that are not open to public that they are pre- privately going on. Mm-hmm. But uh, right now, only thing is open is that um, August mentor session. August and, sessions. Mm-hmm. And we have also um, one of my trained students, Marianne Gernitsky, is teaching our um, national board certification prep course that just started um, last week that people still can sign up for that. Oh, wonderful. That's very yeah. good to know. Thank you. Yeah. And what about you, Marta? Anything you wish to share with our audience? Well, right now it's summer. My kids are off on holiday. We're going to be doing some traveling. So I'm going to take a little, some time off, not entirely off. So I don't have anything big in the works and I will probably jump back into everything in August. Sounds good. All right. Thank you so much. Thank you.